looking like? I feel it right now. Amen. John chapter 15, verse 16. But listen, if your heart's not free, you stand and give what the Lord has on your heart. John chapter 15, verse 16. Let me just say that as Megan was testifying, uh, I'm going to a little men's uh, uh, Bible camp, uh, middle of April, April 18th. And I uh, got a little email this morning that said, uh, prepare for rain. Now, I thought they meant <laughs> look towards the weather, pack your jacket, make sure. But they were talking spiritual. And I'm telling you right now, if we just prepare for rain, uh, God will do the rest. I'm thankful for that. John chapter 15, verse 16. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read the verse. Dearly Father, man, we thank you so much for the, uh, for the privilege to be in your midst this morning. Father, there is an expectation and atmosphere, as we've been talking the last couple days, that when we walk into the house of God, and two or more are gathered in the name above all names, the name of your son, Jesus Christ, it says you were in the midst. Father, there's not been one scripture where you've been in the midst that something good did not happen, that miracles happened. Father, uh, uh, the ones who were uh, blind received sight, the ones who were lame were able to walk, the ones who were dead came to life again. Father, I believe in the same Christ this morning as you were when that was written. So, Father, we did ask you today to meet the need of the hour. You know the heart of every individual here. Father, we don't, but you do. And we're thankful that your Holy Spirit can go forth. Uh, your word can go forth as that double-edged sword, uh, which is sharp and piercing all the way to the intents of the heart. Father, do what only you can do. Save that which is lost. Reclaim that which is backslidden. Encourage that which is discouraged. And, Father, we'll give you praise for it all. As Max said, let revival start this morning. In your glory and your honor. In your son's name we pray. Yes. Amen. Amen. It says this. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see, the Bible is an account. In fact, it is an account within an account. It's, it's unlike any other book that I've ever read in my entire life. It's, there are theologians, there are scientists, there are, there are men that have tried to understand how the depths of God's Word, and they can't even scratch the surface. I was sent once uh, by someone from the church, I think it was Madonna, that was a map of how many correlations from verse to another verse, just as we talked about the reading of Isaiah there, and how it was actually pointing to Christ, something that would happen years and years later. But we see that the Bible is an account within an account. I mean, it's a, a supernatural book. For example, the Exodus, we see that it was a historical account of the liberation of the children of Israel from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. But actually, it was a picture of another historical account in which Jesus Christ would come and to die for the sins and liberate us from the bondage of sin. An account within an account. You know? And when I read John 15 and 16, I can't help but to think that even though that Christ was speaking to His disciples, He was speaking to you and I. That's what His Word says. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for the correction and destruction of righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's what I have. I have that promise. Now, whenever I read a verse of Scripture, yes, there may be something that historically I have to learn about the, the children of Israel or the early church or the apostles. Or whatever it is, but there's something deeper in there where the Holy Spirit can say, Brad, that's for you. 
And I can't help it. I don't know about you, but I read John 15, 16. And to think for a second that the God of the universe in all his holiness would choose me. Oh, boy. How true, brother. That would choose me. Yeah. Now, it'd be different if I chose him because surely I had something to gain by choosing Jesus Christ. But I had nothing to offer him. But it says right there in that verse, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And not only chosen you, but I have ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. I'm thankful for that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19 because I want to just tell you what's on my heart this morning. We're getting ready for Easter, coming up on Easter. And, and I try, I'll be honest, I, I, I've, I've said this a, a thousand times, not often when we come into holidays and and I, I try my best. And if it's Mother's Day, I want a Mother's Day message. If it's Christmas, I want a Christmas message. But the Holy Spirit says, Brad, you just preached what I gave you. I'll worry about the holidays. But I'll be honest, I've been praying about Easter and praying about revival. And I was in Luke chapter 19 the other day. And, and actually on the way back last night, uh, uh, I'd already been stewing over this in the last couple days. And God's been kind of creating a, a skeleton of a message. And, and as I'm driving, my phone had died back from the Easter cave. And uh, I asked Delbert, I said, Delbert, text me something. I said, unbridled cult. Unbridled cult. He said, oh, okay, you got it. <laughs> he knew where I was going with it, but the Lord started beginning to deal with me. So we see in Luke chapter 19, uh, this, before the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, I want to start at the 29th verse. But I want you to keep in the back of your mind as I preach this about John 15, 16. And it's not about you choosing Christ. In fact, it's deeper than that. It's that he saw you and chose you. When you receive Christ, it's not the beginning of the work. It's actually the finish of the work. The beginning of the work was done before the foundations of the earth ever created. Before you were even in the womb of your mother, God knew you. And had a plan and a purpose for your life. I cannot understand that. Especially understanding that he knew every sin that I would ever commit. And still say, I've chosen you. I've got a plan for you. So Luke chapter 19, starting the 29th verse. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage, and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied. Tied. Bound up. Folks, that's what I was in the... Before Christ got a hold of me. I was tied up. I was bound up in sin. And I'm telling you. The purpose of a cult. The purpose of an animal. Isn't to be bound up. It's to work. It's to be put to use. Whether that be to ride. Or, or to farm. But if you watch any kind of western. Usually they just tied up a colt. Or tied up a, a horse. Or this is speaking of a mule here. But to tie him up. For, for a period of time. And I'm telling you. I was bound up. I was tied up in my sin. We see Romans chapter 6. Paul says it like this. He says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free. Being made free. Unchained, unloosed, unbound. Being made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. But that's what Christ says to his disciples. He says, go into the city next to you and you'll find a colt there and that colt will be tied, bound up, tied up. And it says, we're on yet 
never man sat. Whereon yet never man sat. You think, I'm telling you, when I was in sin, uh, my parents couldn't hold me down. Uh, I, when I got to 20 years old, I said, I'm leaving. They said, well, you're not leaving. I'm, I'm gone. Uh, I got a new phone number. I, I moved out of state. You weren't going to, I was going to do what I wanted. When I wanted, you were going to tell me what to do. I wasn't going to be held down. And right here we see this cold water that was tied up, but he never been sat upon. Wasn't domesticated. Can I tell you this morning, you know what they call domesticating horses and mules? Breaking them in. Breaking them. You know, it took God breaking me. Broke my spirit. That way, finally, he can use me. But I was bound up. Never man had been set on. Last night, we were in the Easter cave, and, and uh, I had Keaton with me. And if you get to every little section, there's a, a, a part of the life and the ministry of Christ. And, and it'll get to the death and the burial and the resurrection. But it actually spoke about legion uh, in, in, in what we see in uh, Mark chapter 5. And they had a, a, a little scroll that, or a little, you know, write up about it. And you can read it. But King 6, and I'm just trying to give him the cliff note version. And I'm just saying, hey, there was this man named Legion. And man, he was bound up. He was tied up. And it said, and Christ came and he had these demons in him and he cast them out. There's this guy standing right next to me. He's looking at me going, go on. <laughs> you know? He was telling he was paying attention. So I didn't want to tell the whole story, but I ended up telling the whole story. And maybe it was just for that individual. But that's what Legion was. In Mark chapter 5, we see he was someone that couldn't be held down. They couldn't do anything with him. They tried to tie him up in fetters and chains. He broke him every time. Finally, he said, we just got to get him out of here. So they cast him into the gatherings and said, we can't use him. We can't do anything with him. Jesus Christ comes on the scene, removes the spirit that was in him, that demon was in him, and he was found sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. You might hear this, be here this morning and say, listen, I don't care who you're offering me. You're not going to hold me down. You're not going to... You're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> and I was the same way, but I met this blessed Savior. And man, it, he didn't have to force me. I want to do things for him now. But it says, uh, it says, find a cold tide whereon yet another man set. And it says this, loose him. I've heard that before. Loose him. Remember Lazarus? In John chapter 11, remember, he spoke forth into the grave. Lazarus come forth. He comes forth bound head and foot by what? By grave clothes. And what does he say? He says in verse 44, and the dead came forth bound hand and foot in grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, loose him and let him go. Amen. Think of that for a second. All my sins and all my regrets and all my failures, man, they got me bound up. Tied up. And Jesus Christ can say a word. Loose them. Loose them. I'm telling you right now, you say it cannot be that easy. And I'm telling you, it is that easy. Amen. Jesus Christ can do the work in your life to use you. Once again, he sent those disciples that the cult didn't come to Christ. Christ went to him. He sent his disciples. And as John 15, 16 says, he says, I, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. He wants to use you this morning. And you might be saying here this morning, you're not saved. And you might say, well, yeah, well, he's talking to the guy next to me. Maybe this guy's a deacon. Maybe this guy's a Sunday school teacher. No, I'm telling you, I'm talking about you. You say, what do you mean? I, I'm not a Christian. I've never been in church or I don't, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm only here out of obligation this morning to do something right. And I'm telling you, God is choosing you. Amen. He saw He saw your need. And man, I'm telling you, he can do what no man can do. It says, loose him and bring him thither. 
Bring him to him. I'm telling you right now, uh, I can drag you to the altar. I can bring up you or someone else can. But unless the Holy Spirit draws you, it's not going to stick. I've seen so many people come, but they came for all the wrong reasons. They, they came to fix a financial need or to fix a relationship need, but not because the Holy Spirit was drawing them. And I'm telling you, it never works. It never sticks. But when you feel that Holy Spirit pull, yeah. man... Loose him and draw him thither. John chapter 6 verse 44 says this. No man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. So when we're reading this in Luke, when we're reading this account about uh, going to find the cult, I, I, I can't help but to love Jesus' foreknowledge. Because it sounds good on paper, but I'm so thankful the disciples kind of think like I think. And I'm so thankful that Jesus is always a step ahead of the questions that I have. Because my question is, alright, we're going to go to the city which is next to us. We're going to, we're going to find this cult that's tied up, that's bound up, that's never been set on, it's never been broken, never been domesticated. And you're saying lose them, but I just got one question for you, Jesus. Uh, what about the owner? What about the owner? It's going to go good if there's no one around, but what happens if the guy shows up that owns that old mule, that owns that colt? What do we say then? See, the disciples didn't even have to ask it. Jesus already knew it. And he says in verse 31, and if any man ask you what, why you should do, why do you loose him? Thus shall say unto him, and I want to stop right here. Are you reading along with me? Because God blew my mind. I've always been in my mind, and I'm not trying to water down. That once again, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I, I offered God nothing. Yes, he chose me. Yes, he ordained me. But that was not based on my merits. Not based on my works. Not based on my self-righteousness. Was based on simply that I could be a vessel to house the Holy Spirit of God to administer to a world that's lost and dying. Amen. That's the only good that I have. Once again, the building wasn't no good, but he liked the property, John. That's it. He said, I'll rebuild it. He said, but I like the property. I think I can use it, Brad. I've chosen you. So what I've always said a thousand times... That we needed God, but God didn't need us, right? We know that. God is in need of nothing. He says in Psalm 50, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I own the world and everything in it. He doesn't need us. I've said it a thousand times. But yet he just tells the disciples right now, when you go there and you loose them, and someone says, why are you loosing them? Say unto him this. Folks, I just want to tell you how, how much God sees in you. I cannot begin to tell you what God sees in you. And it's unbelievable the work that he can do. Just spoke Friday at a, at a drug recovery house. And people, man, down and out in life. And I'm telling you, I'm, I say right now, if you would let Jesus Christ do the work in your life, he could do unbelievable, exceedingly abundant over anything we can ask for a man. That's what it says. But look what it says right here. Why do you, do you lose him? Thus shall say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. <laughs> That's what he says. Now that word right there is the word in the Greek, uh, Korea. C-H-R-E-I-A. Which means for necessary use. To supply what is absolutely necessary. That's what Christ said. He said, if they ask you why do you lose them, tell them that I need them. It's necessary use. Think of that. Listen. We've said it a thousand times. The rapture won't happen until that last soul comes in. 
God is long-suffering. He's caring for that purpose. And it's needful for you this morning to be loosed, to be unbound, to be broken before Jesus Christ. That way, once again, after He has already chosen you, He can use you. And He has need to use you. And they were, verse 32, And they that were sent went their way, and found even as He said unto them. And look, verse 33, And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. No other questions. I'm so thankful that I don't need permission this morning for Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I don't need to have anybody other's word. It says they went, and it says right there. And as they were loosing them, they already started untying them before the gentleman showed up. They were just doing what the Lord said. He just said, if somebody would happen to ask you. But I'll be honest, like the disciples, we're going to do it quick and get out of Dodge before anyone catches us. But sure enough, as they were loosing that mule, that colt, someone showed up and said the exact same thing that Jesus knew that would be said. Why loose him? And he said the same words, because the Lord hath need. The Lord hath need. Can I tell you this morning, you don't need anybody's permission. You don't need anybody's permission by divine appointment, by the authority of God's word. I'm telling you right now, you can be loose from your sins. You can be broken before God. You can be used by God and he will do it. The Lord has chosen you. Yes, you. You might be here this morning and say, uh, uh, how can I be used? I've never been used before. I've never been in the ministry before. That colt had never been rode on before. And yet would sit. Christ would sit on him in that triumphant entry. I want to read one more verse. Turn with me to John chapter 1. I'm going to have Lindsay Cole, Zoe, come on up. I feel like the Lord tell me to give an invitation. So in all the accounts of the baptism of Jesus Christ by John the Baptist, in every account, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says that when they were in the water, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. Descended as a dove. And the voice of God spoke and said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. But in John, it gives a deeper insight. No other accounts give the insight that John chapter 1, verse 32 says. Not only does it say that the dove descended, but it says right here, I'll read it to you. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. But look. And it abode upon him. That word abode means stay. means rested. You know, once again, you ever have a bird on your shoulder or, or whatnot. It, it's not if you move at all, if you're not careful enough, it'll fly off. And, and I can't help but to think of that mule, that undomesticated, unbroken, been bound up type mule. Why on God's imagination would he want to use a colt that had never been used? Never been tied, been tied up, been bound, never been loose. Why would you choose that one? Because God saw it. God saw it. And in John 1 and 32, it says that the Holy Spirit descended and aboded on Jesus Christ. You might be here this morning and say, there's no way I can be a Christian. There's no way I can be saved. There's no way when the Holy Spirit would come into this old heart, he'd look around for five seconds and he'd run. I'm telling you right now, because of Jesus Christ, 
It's not about you. It's about God. You didn't choose Him. He chose you. And you're saying it's not anyone but me. No, you. You that was in that city close over. You that has been bound up, that has been tied up, that had never been loosed, that had never been set upon. He says, that's the one I want. That's the one I want. And if anybody's got a problem with it, Max, you tell them that the Lord hath need of him. I'm telling you this morning, right now, the Lord hath need of you. Amen. He has a need for you in his kingdom. Hey, you might be the one step away from letting us all go home. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I think God still wants to do a work in this world, in America today. But i got to be honest, I'm looking forward to heaven. It won't be long now. And it might be you. If you can just let Jesus Christ unloose you. Break you for a second. And let that Holy Spirit rest upon you. I'm telling you, you can do it. I'm proof of it. I'm proof of it. Just ran TGI Friday. People were there. Last week, uh, we went after church last Sunday. Ran into a kid. I, I, I didn't know his face. Sometimes I think I got that face. <laughs> They'll say, uh, you so-and-so. No, I just got that face. <laughs> no, I think you're my cousin. No, I just got that face. But this gentleman said, I know you. You're Brad. I said, yeah. And I couldn't place him at all. He said, I used to ride the bus with you in high school. It's been 25, 20 years since I've seen him. And he said, what, he said, uh, what are you doing nowadays? I said, I'm a pastor. Once again, the same old thing. No, seriously, what are you doing these days? <laughs> I didn't choose it. He chose me. Amen. And I'm telling you right now, he chose you. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I just want to give an invitation right now. Listen, this is the whole purpose of Easter. It's an account within an account of the death and the burial. But the beautiful thing about the resurrection. Now, that's a historical fact. Jesus Christ really did die. Really was buried in a borrowed tomb and really did rose again. But that is an account within account. It's actually speaking to what Jesus Christ wants to do for you this morning. That you have to die. You just have to come broken. That's it. Come broken. He's going to lose you. He's going to let you go of everything that's holding you back. All that sin, all that resentment, all that reservation of what it means. He's going to let you go. And he says, I'm going to draw him here. Bring him hither to me. And I'm going to use him. And he wants to do that this morning. Let us stand. Listen, I feel God. I feel God moving this morning. I don't know where you're at, but I'm telling you, you're just a few steps away. You're just a few steps away from stepping into the very place that God has ordained you to be. Right now, this is a beautiful opportunity. This is a new step in a new direction to finally be used by the God of the universe.